Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? It is so good to be with you this morning. It is uh, great to be here. If you are visiting with us, I just want to welcome you. My name is Stacy McLean, and my husband Chris and I have had the great joy of serving at Crosstown and calling Crosstown home now for over 15 years. Um, not that I'm that much older, but you know, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, we're glad you guys are with us. Pastor Paul has had the opportunity to go visit his daughter, and so he and his wife Susan are visiting uh, their daughter Morgan and he's asked me to come and to continue sharing with you this morning what the Lord has been teaching us. So we are on this journey towards thankfulness. Um, and you know, if you're like me, it kind of seems a little bit trite this time of year. And I don't mean to make light of it, but I have a little bit of cynicism in me. And so I see all these people on social media you know, it's the 14th day or the 16th day of thankfulness in November. And I actually do think that's a wonderful thing to do. But for a lot of us, if you're like me, this journey of thankfulness that we're on and that we're learning about doesn't just naturally happen for a lot of us. Um, there are a lot of us who are coming from places where there's real pain that we're experiencing, real uncertainty that we are experiencing. And so through this series, what we are trying to do is to help all all of us learn how to be thankful because scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we are to give thanks in everything, in all things, we are called to give thanks because this is the will of God for our life. And if you are like me, there are a lot of situations that I have faced that has been very difficult for me to understand how to have a thankful heart, how to have gratitude. So over the last couple of weeks, um, Pastor Paul has been sharing with us and challenging us to identify our broken finger and change our perspective. A couple of weeks ago, he talked to us about using the power of prayer to change our perspective. And he challenged us every day. He said, I want you to pray and to ask God to change your perspective. And I don't know if you participated in that challenge or not, but if you didn't, Start today asking God through the power of prayer to change your perspective on whatever situation you're facing. And then last week, he challenged us to participate with purpose. Um, he talked to us about how, you know, we can face problems in life and it just seems like it's the same old, same old, same old. And he challenged us not to face the same old, same old by smashing the clock or stacking the deck, but he challenged us to serve others. And I hope that you've had an opportunity to serve someone over the past week. If you haven't, I know so many of you have already volunteered to provide meals and to do other things, go to the Ronald McDonald House, and we are so thankful that as a community, as a, a family of God, we've come together and we have served our community. We need to keep doing that. And so this morning we have another opportunity for you guys. We as a church have adopted a first grade class in a Title I school locally here in Charleston, and we need about 16 of you to volunteer to provide gifts for those students in that classroom. So if you want the opportunity to serve a child in an impoverished area in our community by showing the love of Christ to them this holiday season, I invite you to see Suzanne Kuba, who is our ministry director of outreach. She will be at the back guest service and information table if you have questions about 
about that, but that's another opportunity that we have where we can serve others instead of just trying to smash the clock or stack the deck, but where we can learn that through serving others, by participating with a purpose, we can connect to something bigger than ourselves. Because that's really what the message was about last week. That's really what Pastor Paul was kind of getting at with us, that, you know, he challenged us that if we want to move beyond our timeline. We need to connect with the God of the universe who stands outside of this timeline. He transcends our timeline. And not only does he transcend it, but today we're going to learn that we can trust him because he also controls it. God has all power and authority. God is sovereign over all things, and we can trust him because of that. So today, we're going to be challenged to praise God. We're going to be challenged to learn how to use praise to respond to God to create a heart of thankfulness inside of us. And what I have learned as I've been studying this and thinking about this and reflecting on this is that my idea of praise had to be challenged. So, Ricky, I love you, and I think you're awesome but I will tell you, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's okay if I miss the first worship song because, you know, I mean, they're just in there singing anyway, so I'll stand in the back and chat with my friend or catch up. But what the Lord really challenged me this past week was, no, you need to be praising, and praise is more than walking in a sanctuary and singing a song. Praise is putting your heart in a posture to trust God. We demonstrate that through walking in on Sunday morning and leading in praise and worship. There's a reason, there's intentionality behind why praise and worship occurs at the beginning of the service because it postures our heart to surrender to God. And that's what we're going to be challenged about. That's what God's challenged me about over the last week as I have been studying and reading. And so a lot of times we think that praise will come after a victory. Like God does something for us and then we're like, yeah, God, you're awesome. I'm going to praise you for that. We're going to praise you because of the victory. But what God has taught me is that praise precedes problems. I have to posture my heart in a way where praise precedes problems. So I know most of you probably have your life together and you aren't, you aren't dealing with any problems, big or small. But I have lots of problems in my life, which means I need to really be praising God. And I need to adjust my perspective and my attitude through power of prayer and praise. As early as Genesis chapter 4, we see that men, women started seeking the Lord. In Genesis 4, it says, and then men started seeking the Lord. And you know what it really means when we started seeking the Lord? early in scripture we're told that it's through worship with praise with prayer and with thanksgiving with worship and praise prayer and thanksgiving and it goes all the way through scripture you will see over and over and over from genesis all the way to revelation we are called to praise god and like ricky said during worship this morning it's not because god needs my praise god does not need anything he is self-sufficient he was here long before me and long after me god will be in control but god can be blessed by our praise. And we're going to take a look at that this morning and what it means to praise God and how our praise can bless God. I know that seems a little weird, and I hope to prove to you this morning through God's word that we will have the opportunity to bless God through praise. So, um, you know, 
a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Paul started this message, he said this thing almost as if it was in passing a little bit, but he said, you know, any area of your life where you have fear, that's an area of your life where you lack trust in God. He said it and he kind of just kept going and I was like, whoa, wait a second. Any area I have fear is an area where I lack trust in God. And for me, I'm not a super fearful person. I'm not like anxious and afraid to do things. But I started asking myself, what area of my life do I show fear? Where does anxiety rise up inside of me? And for me, honestly, it's with my relationships with my children and my family. I'm fearful that something's going to happen to them. And the Lord began to challenge me. That's because you don't trust me. And I'm like, no, I do trust you. God, I do. And he's like, really? Because every time your 16-year-old drives out of the house, you turn on Life 360 and you see exactly how fast she's going, how many rapid accelerations, how many hard breaks she has, how many phone uses she... Yeah, it's out there. Moms, dads of teenagers, that technology exists. It's a good thing. But am I trusting my app to take care of my daughter or am I trusting an all-powerful God to take care of my daughter? And so I've really been challenged in my own personal life what it looks like to trust God in an area of our life, especially in an area where there is an unknown. And I know a lot of you are here this morning and you're in the middle of a battle, you're in the middle of a storm, you're in the middle of an unknown, and you don't know what the result is going to be. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we know a God who knows it all. He knows the outcome, he knows the circumstance, and he is trustworthy. So therefore, we can praise him. Because even when I don't know what the outcome is going to be, he knows what the outcome is going to be, and we can trust him. And so, um, as I was reflecting on this idea of trusting God, the question I was asking myself is, what battle or situation are you facing that causes fear or anxiety? So that's the question I'm going to put before you this morning. What situation, what battle are you facing that is bringing up some fear and anxiety? Because that's probably what God wants to get to the heart of this morning. I know it's not what you came to hear about this morning because you just want to praise God and feel good and move on about our day, right? I know. But this morning, he wants to get a little bit deeper with us. He wants to go a little bit deeper with us. And he wants to get to the heart of those things that make us fearful, that cause anxiety. Because he wants to show us that he is a God who is kind and faithful always and forever. There is never a time that he is not kind or faithful. He is both, and because of that, we can praise him. So we're going to be taking a look at a story out of Second Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament, and it's a battle story. And if you know anything about the history of the Bible, a lot of battles were fought in the Old Testament. And so we're going to be taking a look, and I want you to just bear with me, because there is a lot of scripture this morning, but it's really good. It's such a good story, and my prayer all week has been, Lord, narrow it down to what you want to say to us, because honestly, I could probably teach on this for like three hours. Don't worry, I'm not going to, but I probably could because there's so much information in this. But um, at the center of this battle, it all revolves around praise. It all revolves around the army trusting God and not taking things into their own control, but trusting God. And so 
um, King Jehoshaphat is the king that we're going to be reading about in the story. Have you ever heard jumping Jehoshaphat? Have you ever heard that phrase, or am I totally dating myself? They think that that phrase comes from this story in Scripture, actually, because King Jehoshaphat, by the end of it, is pretty much jumping for joy. So um, in this story, though, King Jehoshaphat has been told, and we'll read, that there's an army that's coming against him. And basically, it's told to him that he needs to just praise God and let God fight the battle, and then he will be delivered. And I don't know about you, but as someone who likes to take control, and I feel like I can do things pretty well, one of the hardest things for me to do is to stand and allow God to fight for me. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes I don't trust that God really is going to fight for me. Because I mean, he knows what I did. He knows what I thought. He knows who I am. And I think that his provisions are based on my actions, and that's a lie. His provisions are based on who he is, and he is loving, and he is kind, and he is trustworthy. So as we read this story, I want you to hear how King Jehoshaphat responds. So we're going to read a little bit, then we're going to talk a little bit, and then we're going to read a little bit more. But the whole point is, as we are reading this story, I want you to keep in mind what fear or anxiety are you facing I want you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And then I want you to hear how King Jehoshaphat and the children of God respond and what the result is. Because I want to prove to you that if we learn how to praise God, if we can do that, we will bless God. Which, that just seems odd to me. But hopefully I can prove it to you through scripture. So let's take a look. Second Chronicles 20, um, starting in verse 2. You can look on the app. Our notes are there. The verses are there. They're also going to be on the screen. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazan Tamar, that is in Gadi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. And Judea assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judea. They came to seek the Lord. I want you to hear in that, just in those first couple of verses, when he was afraid, he set his face to seek the Lord. So when faced with a battle and fear, Jehoshaphat set his face to the Lord. When fear sets in, set your face to God. You know what it literally means? When fear gives in, give your face to God. Give it to him. That word set means give. So when fear and anxiety come, what am I supposed to do? I am supposed to give my face to God. I am supposed to put all of my attention on God. Because as we will see, he is in control. I am not in control. Even though I think I am, I'm really not. So when fear sets in, set your face to seek the Lord. Give your face to God and trust him with it. Let's keep reading. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judea and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Do you know what King Jehoshaphat is doing? He was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. And you know what his response was when he put his eyes on God? He recognized God is sovereign. All power and authority belong to God. 
I know it may not seem like it's playing out that way in your life. That you may think if he's all powerful, why is XYZ happening to me? Why am I in financial ruin? Why has my spouse betrayed me? Why have my friends left me? Why do I feel isolated? Why am I dealing with this physical pain? Why does it feel like one bad thing after another is happening to me? I don't know. I can't answer those questions. But what I can tell you, what I hold on to know to be true, is that God holds all power and authority and he is kind and he is faithful. And so it doesn't matter what I'm facing, I can hold on to that truth. And that's what King Jehoshaphat is doing. He is declaring his trust in God. And I will tell you, when you can declare your trust in God in the middle of the storm, before the battle has been won, before the victory is yours, when you can declare your trust in God, there is a blessing that you will get. And you will be able to bless God as well. But Jehoshaphat is showing us by his prayer that God is in control. God has all power and authority. And what he's doing when he recognizes that God has all power, he is saying, I am powerless. I don't have any power. Listen to what he says in the next verse. He says, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Are any of you in that moment where you are like, I don't know what to do. This great army is coming against me. This great battle is facing me. Depression, desperation, isolation. You know, the holiday season for so many of us is all oh, happy and roses. But really, the truth of the matter is, if anyone in this room has ever lost someone that you love, there is a tinge of sadness. There is a tinge of sorrow in your heart when you face another Thanksgiving table with one less person at that table. And the truth is, no matter what we are facing, God is in control and we are powerless. But we serve a God who has all power, who has all power and authority. And I just love how the Lord responds to Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat realizes and recognizes that he's not in control, but that God is, and he declares it, he says it with his mouth, he opens his mouth and he says it. Some of us are afraid to open our mouth and declare that God's in control, because then it really is out of my control. But there is power in opening your mouth and speaking those words. And God responds to King Jehoshaphat in such an uncommon way. It's a way that we wouldn't normally think. It's a way that we would be like, that's so weird. He uses a worship leader. He uses a singer named Yahat. Let's see if I have it right. Yahasazel. <laughs> I think I said that right. He uses this worship leader to prophesy, to speak as a prophet, and to declare the victory. Listen to what this worship leader says. He's speaking to King Jehoshaphat and all the people, and he says, Listen, all Judea, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. See, the battle is not yours. The battle is not mine. But the very next thing he says is, tomorrow, go down. We are called to be active in this. We are called to participate. But I'm not the one that has to do the heavy lifting. As Pastor Ben tells us all the time, we don't have to do the heavy lifting. The Holy Spirit comes in and does it for us. Thank you, Lord, that that is the truth. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will not need to fight in this battle 
Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judea and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. No matter what you're facing, God is going to fight the battle for you. He really is. God desires to be our provider, our protector, our shield, our rock, our salvation. But the, our part to participate is yielding, surrendering before him and allowing God to do that. By us saying, God, we're not in control. You alone are in control. When I am faced with a difficult situation, when I am faced with, with some adversity in my life, my first response is to fight. That's just who I am. I'm a little scrappy like that. Ask my husband. I get kind of scrappy and I have to work on that. But my response is to really be aggressive and to fight. And what God is challenging me over and over again is to stand firm. He's like, look, I don't need you out there defending me. I don't need you out there fighting for me. I need no defense. I need you to stand firm. I need you to put your eyes on me. I need you to give me your heart. And I need you to trust me when you give me your heart. And I need you to stand there. The waves may crash on you. You may tumble. But I need you to stand. And I need you to stand firm. And that's what he's asking us to do. And when we learn how to do that, when we position our hearts in a place where we can stand on the foundation of God and what his word tells us, out of that place, praise comes, and God is glorified through that. Let's continue looking at the story. So after this worship leader basically says, look, you don't have to fight this battle. See, King Jehoshaphat had a huge army, and he's just coming off of another successful battle. He had won battles with his army, and he had men who were well-versed at fighting, and he could win this. But when this worship leader came in and said, hey, it's not your battle to fight. You need to stand and you need to trust God. This is what King Jehoshaphat did. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. Had the victory come yet? No. This is the day before. This is not knowing. And it's easy for us to go, well, that story's in scripture. Of course it all worked out. My life is playing out before me. I don't know how it's going to work out. It's the same God. He hasn't changed. Scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever will be. And he doesn't change based on what I do. He is an unchanging God who stood before them and brought victory to them. And he's going to bring victory to you. Are you going to stand firm with your eyes to the Lord, praising him before the battle is won? Because he wants to bring victory to you. He has the power and the authority to do it. I know it's a lot of scripture, but stick with me because it's really worth it, I promise. Listen as I continue. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army and, he, and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judea. 
When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against them. If you continue reading in scripture, it talks about how all of these armies basically killed each other. And when the army came, when the army of Israel came up and they looked out from their tower, all they saw on the battlefield were dead bodies. Praise God for that. He did that. They didn't fight. They didn't have to fight. They had to stand firm with their face set to the Lord, giving their eyes to God, keeping their eyes on God, not taking things into their own hand. Come on, if you're like me, you know you want to take it into your own hands because I, I am smart enough and I am capable and I am strong enough. That's how I feel a lot of times. I can do this. And God is sometimes saying to us, no, no, that is not what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to take this in your own hands. I'm asking you to reach your hand out and let me take you. And all I want you to do is stand firm. Put your eyes on me and trust me because I can do this and I will do this for you because I'm a kind and loving God that is worthy of your trust. You know, when we read this story and we see that the, the praise team basically went out and praised God and they were singing and worshiping, they bowed down. It, it seems also very common when we see it throughout scripture. If you've read Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, they marched around the wall, they blew the trumpet and the walls fell down and boom, they won over and over. Music has been associated as a battle cry in war. As a matter of fact, in the 18th century, when people would go to enlist in the armies and in the military, it was called follow the drum. They would say, oh, they're following the drum. Where is God calling us to follow the drum? And the reason music and worship, I think, for us specifically, but music and military battles, it does two things. It improves communication and it helps us psychologically change our thought process. And that's exactly why military groups from the, the dawn of history have used music. Because when you hear a band coming in and playing loud music, you think they know something I don't know. They're already winning and like celebrating and we haven't even fought. So they must know something I don't know. And the truth is God does know something we don't know. He knows that he's in control. And no matter how hard we think we control things, by tracking our teenagers on Life 360, by controlling our finances, by saving appropriately, by doing the right thing, by reading our Bible. Not, not that those things are bad, but those things don't control. Those things aren't what's in control. And so as the, you know, we think about this and we think about changing and communicating with God, what our praise does, it's our way of communicating to God that he holds all power. When you praise God before the problem, when you praise God and you position your heart to give thanks to God in praise and in worship, you are saying to him, today I declare that you are in control and I am not in control. And I know, I mean, it's hard to think about what does that look like? What does that practically look like? So for me, when I was thinking about where are there times when I've had to praise God before I saw the victory, there are a couple of times that come to mind for me, um, three different times in particular, and each of them involved the loss of someone dear to me. Um, the first one was when we lost our second daughter, Sadie. I remember in that moment, in that moment, 
my husband embraced me and he started singing, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away and, choose, and I will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. I was too weak in that moment to praise God. So I leaned in to my husband and the praise that he offered. And I'm telling you, there was a victory that was won that day and I am still reaping the benefits of that victory. And then one of the other times was when I was watching a dear friend just really battle because her son was dying and he was a child and it is difficult and it is painful and I am grieved over it. But you know what? The grave didn't win because that little boy is walking in the light of his Savior right now. And then one of the other times that really was very profound for me in praising God, and it was just weird. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just being very vulnerable before you. Um, as most of you guys know, if you know me, we lost my dad to lung cancer about a year and a half ago. And the last week of his life, he was very ill. And I remember 48 hours before my dad passed away, I remember walking through my house, praising God and crying at the same time. I mean, literally with everything in me, hands in the air, praising God because he is in control and I am not in control, begging God to take my dad home. And it was the weirdest, most unusual place to be. There was joy and sadness that was just wrapped up in one. But in that moment of praise, I was blessed and I felt the peace of God transcend, go above that moment and that time, even though there was grief and sorrow in that praise. And so what happens in our act of praising is that's where our victory is won. When we worship God and we praise God, even when we don't know how it's going to work out, or even when we have to say goodbye to our loved ones, even in all of that, when we are praising God and we are declaring that he is in control and that we trust him, it changes things. When you can praise through the pain, that is a spot to be in where you will grow more in love with God. And I know if you're sitting here, you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. You're right. I don't know what you brought in this morning. But God knows exactly what you brought in, and he is more powerful, and you can trust him through all of that. So when we praise, the enemy is defeated. In those days leading up to my dad passing away, every time I opened my mouth and praised to God, the enemy was defeated because he did not win. He had no victory because we know death doesn't hold us anymore. If you are in Christ, it's just a minor separation. And I'm not saying I don't miss my dad. I actually miss my dad more today than I ever missed him in that moment because I'm, I'm further away and I forgot how much he was in pain. And now I just remember the good times and I'm like, dang, this is getting harder, not easier for me. But I am still praising God because he is trustworthy and I can trust him. Um, the Lord defeated the army for Joseph, Jehoshaphat that day. And then Jehoshaphat's men, if you go to the end of the story, it took three days for them to gather the spoil. It took three days after the army was defeated, Jehoshaphat and his men went down. And it took them three days to get all the good stuff back. Man, can you imagine? Listen to what, this, what it says. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak. For they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Barak to this day. On the fourth day, they assembled and they blessed the Lord. Uh, the other day, I heard someone praying and she said, I bless you, Lord. And I thought, 
No, you don't. You got nothing to bless him. He's the one who blesses us. The greater blesses the lesser. What, how do you, what do you mean you bless the Lord? And it was so funny. This happened a couple weeks ago. I'm listening to it, and I'm starting. I'm asking God. And then as I started studying this, what I discovered is over and over in Scripture, it says, I bless the Lord. They bless the Lord. We can bless the Lord. Why? What do I have to offer to God? My surrender. My worship. My trust in him. That's how we bless the Lord. Where is God calling you to have a valley of blessing? See, we hear that and we think, where's he going to take me into prosperity? Where's he going to give me stuff? But I want you to think about it this way. What fear or anxiety do you have? And where is he calling you to have a valley of blessing? Where is he asking you to surrender? And I can prove to you in scripture that that blessing is the act of kneeling in surrender. Because as a matter of fact, when you look up the word Barak, it has a lot of different meanings to praise, to give, but it also means to bless. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 95, 6, it actually says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. That kneel is let us bless. Let us bless. It's the same word. Where is he asking you to kneel before him in surrender? Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When we bless the Lord at all times, we produce an attitude of thankfulness that is more powerful than any army that comes against us. So what fear or anxiety are you facing and where is God asking you to have a valley of blessing, a valley of surrender? Where is he asking you to come down and get on your knees before him? And I don't know about you, but for me, I physically have to get on my knees before him at times. I physically have to posture my heart and my body in that way. And so as we move into this time of expressions, this is an opportunity for you to respond to God. This is an opportunity during this last song where you have the opportunity to respond to all that he's been saying. God is speaking to us today. I feel God in this place today. And for some of you, you don't. Some of you don't feel him at all. And I understand that. I've been in that place too. I have been those dry bones. And this morning, I just, I just want to challenge you. Step out. And surrender to him this morning. And so during this moment of expressions, this may be a time for you where you want to receive prayer from the pastors and the elders. Or maybe this is a time where you kneel before the cross. Don't be afraid of that. I know that might seem weird and awkward on a Sunday morning and people may see it and it may be weird. We invite you, step out, surrender to him this morning. Or come and partake of the body and the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of my sins, the forgiveness of your sins. He knows everything about you. He knows every fear, anxiety, failure, mistake, doubt, every bit of shame that you carry in here this morning. And he is wanting to tell you, he has come to give you life. He has come to restore your fortunes. He has come to bless you. 
receive that this morning. Father God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you that you are a God who not only sits out of the timeline, but you interact with us every single moment on that timeline because you love us, because you are a God of love. Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence and we can praise you even in the middle of it, even before the victory has won, been won. We will praise you, God. We will praise you through the pain of desperation, depression, and isolation. We will praise you. We stand today setting our face to the salvation of the Lord, for you are good, you are steadfast, and your love endures forever. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.